Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or online at krcl.org. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by our friends at Kennedy Botanicals and Libsyn. We're going to be telling you more about them throughout this episode. And I want to personally welcome you, yes you, you listening with your earbuds right now. Welcome to episode 400 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast. My name's Chris Hollifield. And my name's Chrissy Hollifield. So Chrissy, apparently it is now legal for women in Utah to go topless. I need to know more about this. I posted some links online on some of our social media outlets the other day and people went ballistic and they were like, I don't want to be the first person to do this, but I want to test it out. (laughs) And I don't blame it. I don't want to be the first person to go, well, the first female. First, right, right. I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of uh, possible repercussions, right? Besides oh, the legality. I have no idea. But I don't you know really what? know either. I but... have mixed feelings about this, too. Because, I, you know, there's something kind of... Uh, I don't want to take away the thrill of seeing a topless woman. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. you know, it's like right. you see topless men and it's like, oh, another topless man. And I don't want to get to that point where I'm like, oh, just another topless female walking down State Street. Just completely desensitized. Can we just go to the store? Can I just like take off my shirt and run to the store now? Hey, apparently you can. Huh. Well, to, well, to try it out. Maybe I'll test it out for everybody. I'll let you know how it goes. Hey, if this is your first time listening in on this podcast, if you just stumbled upon it, Maybe your friend next door told you told you about this podcast. If you're asking what it's all about, well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. We're talking to musicians, authors, business owners, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries, food truck owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share. We're talking to them right here on this podcast. Hey, who's on the podcast today, Chrissy? Today on the podcast, we get to sit down and have an awesome conversation with Alif Aiken. We get to talk to her about her delicious baklava, what inspired her to start making and selling that, and we also talk to her about what motivated and inspired her to start Divorcee Cafe right here in Salt Lake City. And we talk about the book she wrote while she was going through her own divorce. This is a good one. There's a lot of interesting content here. So we're going to get into that in just a moment. She was the perfect fit for episode 400. I think you guys are really going to like this conversation. But before we do that, I want to tell you about one of our awesome sponsors, Kennedy Botanicals. Hey, remember, guys, whenever you support our sponsors, you're directly supporting this podcast. So please do anything possible to support our sponsors. Did you know that CBD is now legal and can be used in all 50 states? Kennedy Botanicals is your one-stop shop for all your CBD needs. They offer pure 100% organic CBD in capsules, tinctures, pain gel rollers, and they even offer CBD treats for your furry friends. Hey, I personally use CBD for my anxiety. It's great. A couple of drops under the tongue and you're good to go for the day. Even a couple of drops under your tongue before bed and you're going to sleep like a baby. Some of the other things that CBD can help with include depression, anxiety, epilepsy, muscle spasm, insomnia, chronic pain, Parkinson's disease, reduced inflammation, and even helps acne. Kennedy Botanicals is a local Utah family-owned and operated business, and they really focus on educating you in the CBD world. They believe that educating yourself on CBD is only going to better arm you for what CBD is truly capable of doing. Kennedy Botanicals provides quality CBD products at an affordable price. 
go visit their website, kennedybotanicals.com, and learn more about their CBD products. Again, that website is kennedybotanicals.com. Show your support for the podcast and go support these guys. All right, guys, let's get into that conversation that we had with Alif when she came and sat down with us in our podcast studio. We enjoy, enjoyed some Turkish coffee in this conversation. It's a good one. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for listening. Enjoy. Where's home for you? Where were you born? Where were you raised? Let's kind of get a little bit of uh, the history there. So I was born in Adana, Turkey, which is in southeastern Turkey on the border of Syria. And it's just a little village. And my my dad worked at the university down there. And my mom's American. And she worked on the American Air Force Base. So I was born on the Injilik Air Force Base. Now, what did your dad do at the university there? He, said, he teaches marketing. Mar- he, taught, he taught marketing there. Does he, he still teach marketing? He, well, well he, retired he retired a few years ago. Okay. But um, after they moved from Adana, Turkey to Rhode Island, he got a job at Providence College. And he taught marketing there for over 40 years. I think we were chatting before. You you only lived in Turkey for a couple of years. I was years. only there a couple of years because the political situation yeah. was kind of wonky. You know, my dad is a straight and narrow kind of teacher, and he grades people on their test scores and their homeworks. And because he wasn't favoring the leftist or the rightists, he felt that the political situation was a little bit too crazy and that they should kind of leave as soon as possible. And it's a good thing they did because within six months of them leaving, his friends were all rounded up and put into prison for six months. Oh my gosh. So really? yeah, it literally was the perfect time to leave. Wow. Mm-hmm. Do you make it to Turkey? Have you visited a couple so times? When once? I was young, we used to go every three years because it was so expensive. And then once I got into high school, we would go every year. And then my ex-husband is Turkish. Okay. So we were going every year, five, six weeks at a time. And now because, you know, I'm a single mom and I, I have Mina and I have like multiple hats that I have to wear. I only get there once every three years. So we're actually going back this October for a week. So I bet you you would make a, an amazing tour guide if anybody wanted to take you along on their trip to Turkey, right? I would be I mean, a horrible tour guide. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> because, why do you say that? Why would you because, be a horrible tour guide? Because when, when we go there, we're usually just like hanging out with family and we don't do all the touristy things. I'm always jealous of people who go to Turkey because they see more of Turkey than I do. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but sad. you get the culture firsthand, right? Because yes. you you have family still I, there, I still right? Have family so you, there. you can. I mean, you're right in there. You're not at like some cheesy motel, no, hotel. No, and- I, I, we have a really nice place. We have a summer house right on the Aegean coast, about two hours from Izmir, and it's just so relaxing to go there. And you know, my we have a house in Istanbul, and ah, oh, very cool, yeah. very cool. Now. Let's jump right in. So we're drinking some Turkish coffee. Mm-hmm. When you when you got here tonight, before we even recorded, you were like, "I just need some water." We made some coffee in the uh, in the kitchen, uh-huh. and then we're in here these cute little cups, which Chrissy took some pictures of. Yeah. We'll put them up at IamSaltLake.com. So cute. Tell me about this Turkish coffee. It is delicious. It is so good. And I mean, I'm a like I like black coffee, but this is actually very smooth. It's very smooth because yeah. it's very fine grain. So if you go into any store where you can like self grind your coffee, and if you look all the way, I don't know which direction, either right or left, they're gonna see the very last one is gonna say Turkish coffee grind, okay. and it grinds it as fine as like powdered sugar. So it's super super powdery, and that's what's coffee. It is confectioner's <laughs> coffee, <laughs> and um. It's less acidic okay. than regular coffee. So regular coffee is filtered 
And because of the roasting and because of the grain of regular coffee, it can upset people's stomachs. But with Turkish coffee, because it's unfiltered and it's such a fine grain and you actually brew it in a little Turkish, you know, copper pot on the stove that you're slowly brewing it rather than just sticking it in the coffee pot and it comes out in two minutes. If you were to do this on the stove the right way, you know, the way my grandmother would do is you put it on the stove and you slowly let it to boil. And then as the foam comes up, you spoon the foam into the cup and then you bring it down and then the foam would come up and you'd spoon it into the cup as the foam. And this could take like 10 minutes to get all of the foam so, and then you so they it. take their coffee wow. seriously. Very seriously. Lot, I mean, I would imagine yes. there's a lot of coffee drinkers oh, yeah. then over in Turkey. Mm-hmm. So where would you get where would you get some Turkish coffee here in Salt Lake? Then where so would you I get from? mine at Black Cherry, the international market, right on 900 East and 42nd South. Okay. So they have a really nice selection. They actually have the Mehmet Efendi Turkish coffee. So that I personally like is the best. They have an it's a nice roast. It's a nice grind. The Bulgarian one, which is in a, like a green package, that one's good too. I haven't been favoring the Greek one. I just find that it's not roasted as deeply like the color is different the taste is different it just tastes off to me and I don't know if it's because I'm so used to this and now they've even started bringing in different flavored ones so my friend actually because she knows I like Turkish coffee the last divorce cafe she's like I got you a new blend and it's flavored and I'm like oh dude I don't know you're like please I don't know (laughs) and so she's like it's got cardamom in it and I'm like oh I don't know if I can do that so I tried it and, and I can't do the cardamom. I have a friend, she absolutely loves the cardamom in the Turkish coffee. And I'm like, I'm just a purist. I can't. But you can get all different flavors. There's cardamom in it. There's cinnamon in it. Like all ground in with the coffee. Oh, wow. So would you yeah. drink a cup of Folgers if I gave you a cup of Folgers? I would. Of course. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was I wondering what you I think of know, American yeah, coffee. You, oh, I drink American coffee every morning. It's how I wake up. This so, oh, so like, you, don't, you don't drink Turkish every day? No, this no. This is a treat. This is, a, this is when you have friends over. Like, it's so sad to have Turkish coffee on your own. You're like, I should be visiting with somebody. Like, this is So it's just a very lonely. social thing. It's very, it's very social. social. Okay. Okay. I didn't know... How it was. And I mean, you know, I find it so awesome. Like I have German and Polish blood in me, but I'm not, I don't really carry, I don't have traditions. And this is what you carried. do when you finish your coffee, because there's Turkish fortunes. So you take oh, the saucer and you that. put it on top and then you flip it towards your heart when you're done. You got to suck it down until there's grinds and you go, oh God, there's sand in my mouth. Okay. Suck it down. You can do it. And then you make a wish. Uh-huh. I'm still working and then on you, mine. I'm saying. And then you let it sit. Okay. And then we Oh crap. What did I do? Did I do it wrong? You're fine. Flip it toward You're okay. It's okay. okay. It's Flip, okay. No worries. It's nobody can see it. One anyways. of it's the just... sides is pointing at my heart. That's all I there know. There you go. <laughs> and okay. it's funny if you go to like someone's house and everybody's having Turkish coffee and it's still a little warm because you got to wait for all of the grinds to go down. The ladies or whoever's there will take their rings off and put them on top of their coffee cup. Ooh, like this. Because my aunt told me if you put your ring on it, one, it, it signifies it's yours, but two, it helps it cool off because the the metal in the ring will pull the, the heat from the coffee cup. I don't know if it's true or not, Interesting. but like these are the little but it's things. it's fun. Yeah. So know? when people yeah. come over to my house, we have coffee and then we switch. I'm like, all right, we got to switch and tell each other's fortunes. And people go, what the hell is that? I'm like, well, whatever the, the you fortune, see. The, the the crystal ball. Yeah, you know, it's just it's fun. It, you play and you see images, and sometimes you'll see like, wow, there's like this cat in there, and you know, you'll see all these different images that will appear, and 
So did you do that growing up with your family too? Is that kind of a a tradition? My younger aunt used to do that. So she used to, and they always have certain symbols in coffee you know, where they, someone who's very traditionally trained and like, oh, there's a package or there's a that means money is coming or there's this and that means this or there's a bird on the top of the rim and that means good luck. That's kismet, you know, so they they can go through and they can see all the different things. There's like a little formula. I don't know the formula, so I so just cool. make it up as I go along. So you still, I mean, that's cool that you still carry a lot of the Turkish traditions. Like, actually, let's let's talk about the baklava. Let's let's jump into that because I I think it's a it's a great transition Mm -hmm. uh, with the Turkish coffee. Because obviously, you must have grown up eating a lot of baklava. Oh, my mom! My mom made it kind of like a mission as she when she got married to figure out how to make baklava. So when she was in Turkey, and then over the years, she'd look at different recipes, and she kind of created her own recipe out of looking at other people's and saying this works and this works and this works and then she cooked for there was a turkish restaurant in rhode island that she used to make some baklava for so she actually had to formulate it to like measurements because i still remember my mom trying to teach me and you know when she'd make the syrup because turkish baklava doesn't use honey so greek baklava uses honey turkish baklava uses sugar water and lemon syrup and my mom would have the syrup going and she would just cut the lemon in half and stick it inside of the water and my mom would be like well when it smells lemony that's when you take the lemon out and that's when there's enough and so it was like so you'd she's like stick your nose in stick your nose in does it smell lemony yet and i'm like no she's like then it's not ready what if you have a bad sense of smell i know right yeah so she had to like create a formula and actually have measurements when Mm -hmm. she had to make it consistent so that's where measurements started to come in but turks always do recipes like that like you ask like well how did you do this dough and they go oh you do a little bit of this and a little do this and then when it's the consistency of your earlobe then it's done and everybody tugs their freaking earlobe like what the hell is this not very scientific but it works it works you know so, so when did you decide to start selling it then? When did you decide to make a full-fledged business out So of it? 2004 was actually when I first started baking. And um, I had just lost my job at the Fine Arts Museum. And I'm like, well, what can I do? And I'm like, well, mom has that really good recipe. And I started um, a Turkish sweet and savory business called Lokum, which means Turkish delight. And I started at the farmer's market in 2004 at Pioneer Park. And the goal was to get picked up by a cafe so then I could just do their food. That was my goal. And I achieved it. I was at the Tea Grotto when the Tea Grotto was on 900 East and 21st South. That was a great spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I did all of the food there for about three or four years. Oh, wow. And so I did Turkish sweets and savories and salads and like different lunch items. So I handled all the food and Rebecca handled all of the, the tea. Were you like, did you like that? Were I loved you, it. I loved were it. Were you in your heaven? They were like, I this did. is the best thing ever. Because I could get up and I could just go down there and I could work from six o'clock until nine o'clock. I had to be out of the kitchen because it was the smallest kitchen in Salt Lake. It, I could literally reach my arms and I could touch the refrigerator and I could touch the sink. Oh, it was wow. the smallest kitchen in Salt Lake. So I'd have to open the cutlery tray, the, the drawer to put my trays on and the ice machine had my cooling racks and yeah, it it was definitely a challenge. A challenge. And it were you doing this all yourself? It was all on my own. And what were you making? Like, what kind of food? I was so were you I was doing the I was doing baklava. I was also doing um, Turkish cookies and Turkish okay. cakes, and I did everything bite size because I just find bite size is just easier. Mm-hmm. And I was also making it all vegan. 
So I was why, using- why ve- Were you vegan? I wasn't vegan, but there was a huge vegan clientele coming into yeah. the tea grotto. And it, to just substitute like soy yogurt for regular yogurt, then I could make a vegan cookie and keep it at 75 cents. You know, when could you find like a nice fresh almond cookie, you know, nice bite size for 75 cents, you know? And so I had a whole vegan clientele and- um that's it just I, it worked. It for just you. worked really, really well, and then it didn't work because we just had a falling out. Rebecca decided to have Cisco come in and spy on my food and oh. replicate it, oh. and then I said, "Yeah, I'm done." So then That's you you parted ways. You decided to kind of go your own way with Bohemian baklava. I did. I actually hung up my apron for a little while because Mina was a year and a half at that time, and I couldn't keep her contained to inside oh. of the kitchen because you know a rough time it was. Yeah. It was. I couldn't keep her in her stroller or on my back or anything. And uh, I said, all right, this is a sign. I'll just stay home and be a mom. And then just about five years ago, I had some friends start tapping me on the shoulder and go, so that baklava stuff you used to do, could you like do that again? And I said, all right. And so I just said, well, if I'm going to come back and do baking, then I'm going to do one thing and I'm going to do it well. And that was just the baklava. And that was just the baklava. And then that same year, I got involved with the Banking on Women program, that entrepreneurial program through GE for women. And uh, I realized through market research that there's eight people in Salt Lake that make homemade baklava. Oh, wow. I know. And so I had to say, okay, well, what makes me different than everybody else? And what made me different was that I wasn't afraid of trying different flavors, you know, and confusions. You have a huge assortment of of baklava. What would you call them? Like flavors, styles, (laughs) flavors, things. Well, I say that I punk out Turkish baklava. So I do really wonky, weird things. And people have liked to challenge me to different flavors and different, you know, concoctions. Like last week, my friend had a taco night and she's like, can you make a baklava that resembles a taco, but sweet? And I'm like, hmm. So you should just bring wait, taco tacos. Well, wait, so you made a taco <laughs> baklava? She wanted to call it taklava. So it was. <laughs> hey, that's cute. Yeah. So I'm like, it. all right, so what is the basic elements of a taco? You've got ground beef, you've got onions, you've got tomatoes, you've got avocados. So I'm like, all right, if I'm looking at that, what color nut is going to represent those different things? So I'm like, okay, hazelnuts. So I ground hazelnuts and that was the bottom layer. And then the middle layer was uh, almonds and dried cranberries to be chopped onions and tomatoes. And then the top layer to represent avocado was pistachios. So... That was how, you know. That sounds really good. It was interesting. People liked it. Yeah. You know, they thought it was, you know, it was the first time I've ever put three nuts, three different kinds of nuts in one. So in Turkey, I mean, do they just have one flavor traditionally? It really depends on the region. So baklava came about in about the 18th century where the, the sultan at the time wanted to create a suite for the Janissaries after Ramazan. And so he kind of commissioned the kitchen to come up with something and there's always been this layered bread nut dried fruit kind of thing because of being nomadic they would always have these things that could be preserved to carry with them so they've always had this kind of layering of nuts and bread and so the kitchen kind of came up with baklava and regionally within the ottoman empire it's shifted depending on the region so in turkey you have three different flavors so in istanbul you have a lot of walnuts And up north in the Black Sea region, you're going to have hazelnut baklava. 
And down south, you'll have pistachios. And then as you move across the Middle East, then you get the different flavorings and the infusions and the syrups. So the Greeks obviously do honey and they do walnuts. Armenians cook it dry and they do it in like a wedge pie shape. And then they put the honey next to it. And then you pour over it when you get it plated. Oh, wow. And then Persians, I think, use rose water in their syrup. And then Lebanese use orange blossom. And people use different nuts. There's different grinds of the nuts so the greek version usually is more bigger pieces Hmm. of walnuts in baklava where mine is very fine grind so turkish is very fine grind because i like it to all blend so it really every culture in that region has a different way of assembling or grinding or using the nuts now what let's talk because you brought two different uh, kinds Mm -hmm. this evening yeah did you try both of them yet, oh, Chrissy? Oh, yes. Of course Which, I did. <laughs> I mean, so there's a walnut. So there's the traditional walnut, So there's right? the traditional walnut. And then I personally don't like the strong essence of rose water in the syrup. So what I do is I actually layer rose petals on the walnuts on the bottom two layers. And and I was like, ooh, we got to try that just because it's so cool. I mean, who has rose petal baklava? Yeah. It's very cool. And it's got a nice light flower. It's not overwhelming. Yeah, it's just kind of a hint. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, uh, you don't have like a, a store now, no. but people can buy these from places now. So they're right now, the, the best place to buy it is at Lizzie's Kitchen. They honestly are my best customers. Yeah. So yeah, they have great. my tahini bites and my pistachio triangles. I was at the local Greek. Um, I'm at the Tea Grotto. So I've been creating flavors for the Tea Grotto. We're back doing because it's under new ownership. And that was a nice full circle moment to kind of have my baklava back there. So I do for the tea grotto, a coconut matcha cashew. So I'll take the nice high grade matcha green tea powder and I put it in with the cashew nuts and I grind that. So it becomes this bright, bright green. And then when I layer it, I sprinkle the coconut in between the layers. Oh, wow. So Are you still doing farmer's markets at all or no? I, I'm not. It's it's very expensive to do. It's not cost effective for me to do the farmer's market just because even though I'm not preparing food at the farmer's market, you have to have the high grade food market tent and the sides and the platform. And I just, it's just not going to make sense to buy a $500 tent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was doing the farmer's market in 2004, I did really well, but it's very exhausting. Oh, oh yeah. It's I've so much crazy work. done exhausting. a few farmer's markets in my day. Yeah. And, you know, get there at like seven in the morning, six in the morning. And you got to load up and start loading up at three in the morning. And, and that was pre-child. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, 14 years ago. Yeah. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Libsyn. Every time you support one of our show sponsors, you are directly supporting this podcast. So... Show your support for the podcast and support our sponsors. Hey, are you thinking of starting a podcast? Do you have a buddy, maybe a coworker, and they're talking about starting a podcast? Hey, if you or someone you know, if you are in the process of starting a podcast and you are looking for truly the best podcast audio host out there, you're going to need to check out Libsyn.com. We've been using Libsyn to host this very podcast, I Am Salt Lake, for over the past seven years, and I know that I truly could not be happier with them. They make it super easy to set up. They make it super easy to get your podcast routed to all the podcast players out there like Spotify, like Apple Podcasts. 
they make it really easy, you guys. I am Salt Lake Podcast listeners. Pay attention. We have a special promo code just for you. We made this one just for you guys. The promo code is Salt Lake, all one word. You're going to get the rest of this month and all of next month a free podcast audio hosting at Libsyn.com. That's spelled L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Again, that promo code is Salt Lake, all one word, just like the city you live in, Salt Lake. You'll be supporting this podcast and you will get yourself some free podcast audio hosting at the very same time. Guys, that sounds like a win-win. You're, you're going to get your podcast going and you'll be supporting us at the same time. That's great. Hey, many thanks to Libsyn for their support of this podcast. Let's get back into that conversation with Alif when we talk baklava and the Divorcee Cafe. This is good. Let's get back into it. Do you ever want to get an actual physical location? I would. Again? One of the things that I would like to do is have a physical location that I can not only umbrella the Divorcee Cafe, but also have a micro Turkish cafe okay. inside of it so that I can have like this eclectic assemblage of different things going on in there where I can have the Turkish cafe where it'd be Turkish coffee, Turkish tea, sweets, savories, very simple. I think a lot of times when people open up cafes and restaurants, they go crazy trying to create this really elaborate menu mm-hmm. and it's hard to keep up. But, you know, with Turkish sweets and savories, you can cook maybe once or twice a week and then that can last you for a while because the baklava stays good for like a week or two. Oh, sorry. Go oh, ahead. I was saying it's so unique that you don't have to have an expansive array of things. It's no. just kind of a, you know, if you want the specialty item, mm-hmm. it's here. Yeah. And I want yeah. people to be able to come and sit and have Turkish tea because, you know, have you had Turkish tea before? I haven't. No. So Turkish tea is a black tea and it's made in a double teapot. So they have a bottom part, which is just the hot water. And then the top part is the tea concentrate. So you have the tea, the black tea in the water. And it just sits on the stove all day long and it just simmers. Oh, wow. They have these little machines called a samovar where you can plug in and the base is the water. And then you have the tea on the top and it just has like a little spigot. What I would love is be like, here, give me two bucks. Go have as much tea as you want. Because the aspect of afternoon tea, you don't have... Mediterranean afternoon tea here where you sit and you have tea and you have treats and it's just this community of people that come and gather there's you don't have that at a tea shop well because we all live this rushed life yeah right? we barely mm-hmm. take a time to sit down and say hello to our own husband or wife mm-hmm. anymore <laughs> well and like we were saying this is probably the only time we're ever going to sit down and have coffee together you know because we're all so busy. Well, oh, that, I know. That's one of my favorite things about this podcast is I get a chance to sit down with all these cool people in Salt Lake and and take some time that I wouldn't normally do, like Chrissy was saying, yeah. and, and actually get to know you. When you go over to Turkey and you have tea, it is just a thing. You sit and you take time and you relax and you enjoy your family or you enjoy your friends. And it's always at four o'clock, you know, but I mean, how nice would it be? It'd be like, oh, It's tea time. Let's all meet for tea time and just sit and not have to worry because literally they're just little cups of tea. You can just sit and sip and then you can go on your way after an hour or so and you've just relaxed a little bit. Doesn't tea doesn't need to be this big huge thing? Yeah. Are people still doing that over in Turkey? Just oh relax? yeah, all the time. What? Four o'clock. What's wrong with us here? Are we like why, the why, only? Why is America that? the only country that doesn't do something relaxing a little bit during the day? Pretty much. I wonder, wonder why. Is it just because we want to just make money, 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 huh? Just Is that really what it is? We're just Probably. crazy. 
Yeah. No, because <laughs> I, I mean, know. even, you know, sometimes I'll even feel guilty just closing my eyes for 10 minutes just, just right. to kind of recenter myself. Or like taking know? 10 minutes to meditate. You're like, I should be doing something. Yeah. I should be doing no, something. No, you feel guilty. It's like, no, yeah. you need to sit out and have a cup of tea. Yeah. You yeah. just need to have a cup of tea. And I always have a pot of tea on my stove and, you know, anyone's always welcome to come and have a cup of tea. But people also recognize that when they come to my house to have a cup of tea, it's never just a quick cup of tea. <laughs> my friend's like, dude, I come to your house for a quick cup of tea. And it's fucking three hours later and we're still here. I'm like, well, don't you know the rule? Yeah, You, you don't and- leave until the teapot is done. Oh, is that a rule? Well, no, that's my now rule. I know. <laughs> it's my rule. <laughs> I'm just going to make a half a teapot when I go to your <laughs> Let's uh, let's jump in and we might jump back to the baklava and the coffee and Turkish and stuff like that. But let's talk about the Divorcee Cafe. When did that start? How long has it been going? What is it for people that aren't even familiar with it? So basically, Divorcee Cafe, it's a free service that we offer once a month. And it's the first Wednesday of every month from nine to six. And right now it's out of my home because I lost my last location. So I've opened my home to have people come in. Do you like that better? Yes and no. It's nice because I can take my time and get things ready. But on the other hand, it's like my house needs to be clean. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Top floor, bottom floor. You can't just leave. You have to actually to take place. the laundry off of in front of the dryer and put it away, you know, or oh, you yeah. shove it back in the well, dryer. It forces you to clean. I know. You know, so, I mean, it is nice. And I, it, my house is big enough for right now. And yeah. it's sl- summertime is slow. So we'll see. We'll just do this. Not until... a lot of divorces. <laughs> it's true. Like summer is ridiculously slow. People How don't weird. come in. Is there really a it, time of like the year bu- that's yeah, like a busy time? I guess January. So the or fall something. is usually the fall gets busy. Okay, and then like February March happens because you know the day Somebody after Valentine's, Valentine's day. day. Well, the biggest filing day is the day after Valentine's Day. No kidding. Is really? it really? Yeah. Why is that? Because they feel like they need to give do the Valentine's Day. <laughs> And I'm like, why do you do the Valentine's Day if you're going to be like, happy Valentine's Day, here's roses, here's the divorce papers. No, man. You know? if, if I was going to do it, it would be, why? Wow, that's weird. So it's it's like, it, it will pick up probably this month and next month, and then it'll die down around December because nobody wants to do it for the holidays. And right. then it'll pick up again in February and March and April. May, it starts to taper off. June, July, August is dead. Nobody... So people out. get divorced during like the depressing months Absolutely. of the year. Absolutely. Yes. Hmm. So ha- did you say how long you've been doing it? So for? it's been about five years and it came about when I got divorced, I ended up benefiting so much from having a mentor coach and she really kicked me in the ass to kind of get out of these belief structures that keep us trapped in our victim story. And so I became a life coach and I thought, you know what? I benefited so much. I'm going to help women get their shit together after divorce, right? Because you felt you felt like, oh, oh my a God, badass. Like, I can I do like, this now. Yeah. Give back. Wow. I have so much clarity, mm-hmm. right? And it was so hard because you're at your emotional deficit. You're at a financial deficit. You have no idea. You're a cuckoo head. I mean, when you get divorced, you can be certifiably cuckoo because oh, for sure. you're just emotionally spent on everything. Yeah. And so I wasn't finding my people. And uh, I went to this coaching conference and this guy was talking about how to find what you needed to build a coaching business. And he's like, you need a book and you need a website and you need to blog five times a day and you need this and you need that. And I raised my hand and I said, I call bullshit. And he's like, I'm sorry, what? I said, look, I wrote a book. 
It's published. I have a website. I have I blog five, six times a week. I have this. I have that. All my social media is tagged. Everything is automated. I've been doing this for a year. Where are my fucking people? And he's like, oh, well, we, we should talk about that. I said, okay. And then we broke for lunch and I was talking to my friend and he's like, well, what are you, why are you so frustrated? I said, well, I can't find my people. It's not like anyone goes into a market and says getting divorced, right? I said, there's no fucking divorcee cafe where anybody hangs out at. And my friend turned to me calmly and said, make one. And I said, oh man, really? Like I don't have enough shit to do. Yeah, like that has to be your responsibility too. But right? how, how did but you know? The, I mean, what, are there other places like no. other cities? Because I was going to say, how did that concept even come to your head? Well, I just thought about it, and I says, you know, I I belong to a really strong women's networking group, and there's people that ha- offer services in all these different demographics, like financial and real estate, and mortgage, and lawyers, and you name it, there's a business for it. And I said, okay. And I was managing a collaborative healing space at the time. And I just put this question out to the group and go, okay, I have this idea. What if I open up the studio once a month and invite people that could help people heal mind, body, and spirit to this place and they offer their services for free? Would you offer your services? Because I didn't know people's time is valuable. I don't know what people are willing to offer an hour or half an hour or what they're going to do. And I had people lining up wanting to be facilitators just from the get-go. I had like 15 people. Like businesses? Businesses. You know, I had lawyers. I had, a, you know, someone doing 15-minute massages. I had someone doing 20-minute acupuncture. I had um, financial analysts and real estate people and mortgage people and like, all these different people going, we're here. And it literally took six months for like a person to show up oh, to really? get help. Yeah. So they every month yeah, you would show month up. We would show up would and nobody would come. And we would sit there, which was nice because we got to know everybody else's business. And mm-hmm. we created a nice little family unit. So like this is like a family now. So if you're part of my team, you're part of my family. And it took about six months of meeting and but why didn't you wrap it? I mean, I, I'm six months. That's a long time, really. Well, how did you even know to keep going? Because people needed to know it was out there. Okay. And I know that it takes a lot to step into something that's going to help you, especially someone going through divorce. Because what I found with talking to different people is they see Divorce Cafe come up on the Facebook feed every month, but Mm -hmm. it takes an average of four to five months for someone to step in. And people will come in and go, it took me about four months. And I'm like, why? They go, because I was scared because I didn't want to own my own shit. Because when you step into a supportive healing space where people are going to love and hug you and give you tea and baklava and just listen to you, then you're like, shit, now I got to do the fucking work. Right. You have to be prepared to like accept the change that you need to make also. Mm-hmm. You can't be wallowing hard. around drowning in an inch of water because right. that's, you know, and, and I put that, if you go onto the website, like this is not a bitch and moan session. You will be asked to be removed if you're going to come and bitch and moan about your ex. That I do not have patience for that. And because people will come in and have this big, huge victim chip on their shoulder. And I'm like, you yeah, know, you can go. Yeah, it's a space to grow. And it's move a space on to and, grow. Yeah. This is where you're going to get help. This is Which where you're going to get support. You know. Yeah. I remember after my divorce, I'd go on dates, and that was like I was like, these girls would just sit there and bitch about their ex to me. I'm like, why? Like, well, this is supposed to be a date. Like, but I, I find it even myself. I think we all typically do that after divorce, though. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I mean, I probably did that to you when I first started dating you. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, everybody does that, right? Because you kind of like try to figure out what didn't work out and why it didn't work out. And you know what I mean? Well, I, I think, think you end up a... having, I mean, I'm recently in that dating thing and like you have to I'm kind sorry. of. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. I found a great guy at the end of it. So oh, good. it's good, you know, but like going through it and especially if the other person is divorced, you ask their story because mm-hmm. like really what's fucked up about you? I know, right? Like, right? Okay, what's this your is, baggage? You what's your baggage? Like, here, We're I got adults. two bags. This is one guy, and this is this guy. Okay, so I come with two bags, you know? I have, like, two bags and then a coat closet full of hidden ones. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, just don't look in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. No, it's hard. I mean, and especially when you get older, you know, your 30s, 40s, and, uh-huh. and this divorce cafe. I mean, this would have been helpful for me. Oh, yeah. Just to my, have a place to the, you could just feel supported that people were going through the same thing and you know and it's not just for men and it's for women and last year we had this beautiful synchronistic moment where we had one woman who came in and her husband of 30 years just came out and was gay and she still loved him but he was like now I need to live my life yeah so she was struggling to deal with that and then a guy came in and sat across from her. And my thing is I sit down and I'm like, so what's your story to get them talking? And he's like, I, just, I don't know. It's it's so odd. Like, I can't. I'm like, dude, we all have stories. Right. He said, well, my wife decided she needed to transition into a man. And we have twin girls. And, you know, it's just been really hard. And there's not a lot of people who understand what happens. And I'm like, well, that one's husband just, re- you know, came out as gay. And he's like, really? You know, so like someone came in thinking that their story was completely unique and they found someone with something similar. I mean, not the right. same. But but, but I mean, realize it's, you both have everyone has some kind of unique situation where we can actually learn to empathize with each other uh-huh. if we'll open up and and be vulnerable right. with each other. I mean, and, and Chris and I talk about this all the time, like we all feel so alone. Yeah. Like every person feels so alone with the weird things that happened to them, oh, yeah. the weird things we're going through. Sometimes even in a marriage, you can feel alone. Of course. Yeah. I mean, you know, that was one of the reasons why I left my last relationship of seven years is like, I feel more alone actually physically in this space than me physically alone in my own house. Yeah. So why am I here? You know, and my family's all in Rhode Island. So I was physically alone. I had no one when I went through a divorce. I had no one. I had yeah. like, People at the museum, like these old ladies are like, here, take a post-it note, call this person. Because <laughs> I didn't know anything about that, yeah. you know, and I had Mina was three and a half, four at the time, you know, lack of sleep. Like, how do you even make decisions, you know, not have a support system, you know, and to have someone go, hey, how are you eating? Because maybe if you eat a little bit better, your head will clear and then you can make better decisions. So how are you feeling like spiritually? Like, can we clean some of that energetic stuff off of you so you can feel a little bit lighter? There's so many layers and levels of clearing from divorce that people don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's why I put the calendar up every Monday beforehand, because I want people to look at the calendar and go, well, why do I need to get hypnosis for oh, the, the calendar of the divorce, for the divorce a, a cafe okay. of the facilitators? Because I want people to see one to be able to plan their day, but I also want them to like question and come in and go, why do I need hypnosis to go through divorce? Why yeah. do I need a nutritionist to go through divorce? Like I get that all the time. Mm-hmm. I go, well, if you're not eating well and you're eating shit food, your brain is clogged and you can't think. Well, and I, I don't know about you guys, but 
in my experience, the divorce diet works great, <laughs> but you're always hungry and tired because yes. you're, you're too stressed to eat yes. ever. So it's like you're you're definitely clouded. Yeah. That's interesting. So where, where can people that. find out more information? Do you have a website or so Facebook? So it's divorceatcafe.org because I've made it a nonprofit now. Okay. Yeah. So I'm. So what does that actually entail that you made it a nonprofit? Then? I actually filed and went through the paperwork and I am now a 501c3 as of a couple of months ago. Nice work. I've heard so that's really hard. It was a pain in the butt and yeah. it took a very long time. And my goal is to be able to get some grant money to come in to one, get a, a space to be able to offer some discounted workshops. Because I, what I'm recognizing is that people need life skills. After divorce, like there are some men like, I don't know how to cook for one. I don't know how to cook this stuff. And women are going, I don't know. I've been in mom yoga pants and now I have to go back to work. So there's all of these life skills that now you need to figure out how to learn. So if I can create a space where we can have workshops where people can come in and take these different classes or maybe there can be group therapy here and do that. I also want to be able to have grants to offer people because the hardest thing for people getting divorced is that that retainer. Hmm. The twenty five hundred dollars mm-hmm. is a lot, you know, yeah. as a retainer, you know, to just come up with. And both of you, so that's five thousand dollars that you need to have a retainer. The other thing, like the next level up is I would love to be able to as a five oh one C three be able to spread out nationwide to create a module so that people can replicate it and pop up the Divorce Cafe and use that nonprofit status to be able to rent a space and get like, you know, have that space get a tax-free, you know, deduction in order to be able to house it. And so that people could be able to find it no matter where they are and just keep it consistent on the first Wednesday. And then the next level is I truly believe that we need halfway houses for divorced people because, you know, you have halfway houses for people getting back into society after jail and after drugs and all that other stuff but people are coming going i can't move out of my house because we Mm -hmm. can't afford it yeah how do we do this so if you can create maybe different you know obviously a male and a female area where people can come in for one to three months with their kids to get on their and have a space to get on their feet yeah you know where they can maybe in the women's section they have resume building or business building or fashion this or something so that they can help get back into the business world and maybe in the men's it's like house stuff or, and I'm totally generalizing, but well, like, but to be fair, and, and I've been thinking this in Utah, especially it's very typical for women to not do anything once they get married, except for focus on being a mother. Mm-hmm. And so if they do get divorced at some point down the road, they've spent so much time away from the work atmosphere and, and especially away from they, they marry skills. so young. Oh yeah. So if they're marrying at 18, 19 and they're getting divorced <laughs> at 45, that's a huge chunk of time. Right. Even though you're only 45. It's like, but it's like they're starting out brand new at 19. Like right. They're, they're in that state mentally. Uh huh. And the other thing that I would like is because it would provide companionship. Cause one of the things I heard over and over again last year from the men was that it was very lonely They went from, because usually it was the man that would move out of the house. And he said, you know, more than one occasion I'd have a guy go, I had a family with four of us and then I had to move out and I had to move out quickly and I didn't take the time to find the right space. And then my kids were too old and they didn't want to come and live. And I'm rattling around in this old house empty and it's Mm -hmm. very lonely and it's isolating but if you can create a space where maybe men and their kids can all gather then it they're going through the same thing and they're not alone because that was the thing i kept hearing from men a lot last summer is it's very lonely oh yeah 
to just go from a family situation to now out on their own. See, and I didn't have kids. When I went through my divorce, we didn't have kids or anything. So I'm grateful that for that because, I mean, I couldn't imagine mm-hmm. going through all that. But it is. It's very lonely. All of a sudden, you're just all by yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very – I mean, it's like a death or something. I mean, somebody was saying It is that. a it's death. Like, it's, it's like – uh, it's, it's the it's death just, of an era. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah I mean, no, you got to – Yeah. You know, I didn't even know you wrote a book. I, I pulled did. it up here on Amazon. Talk about this. So you wrote it, it says uh, 2012 is when it was published? Or? 2000 and yeah, it was right after I got, I got divorced in 2011. It was published soon after that. So I kept a journal while uh-huh. I was going through divorce. Like I literally wake up and I would just write just to clear my head. Cause Why? Were, I mean, did somebody tell you to write no, the journal? No, I just, you know, I just, there was so much going on in my head and I had no one around. Okay. So it was just for me to kind mm-hmm. of clear everything out because if you hold it in your head, it just gets too heavy. So I would wake up, I'd have my coffee, I'd write about my day. And it started from the time that I got that post-it note when I filed for divorce until I ended the divorce. So I was about three months in to keeping this journal where I saw a call for, you know, book themes or whatever on some website. And I'm like, all right, stay at home mom files for divorce. What the hell does she do next kind of thing? Yeah. And the guy's like, wow, that would be a great story. You know, what if you just let us know when you're done and then we can publish it and it could help somebody. And so I'm like, okay. And then they kept calling every month. Are you done yet? I'm like, dude, you're stressing me out. Like, I would really love to be done with my divorce, but you're you're not helping me. Yeah. You know, that's an added stress. You don't. It is. So it literally was taking, keeping a journal of every single day as I, from like May of 2011 to August or September of 2011. So it was like every single day. Wow. Yeah. Emotions, this, that, conversations, family reactions, all of this stuff. You know, I mean, I didn't, I just said what it was. What's you know? the what's the feedback been like on it? Pretty good feedback, or um, who so my ex husband doesn't right? like Depends it. On who's reading it? So my ex didn't really like it. I changed all my all the names and I used my maiden name rather than my married name and stuff like that. And um, so that wasn't favored when I said it. But the feedback I've gotten from women who have read it, they find it and they go, "Oh my god, that helped me so much!" Wow. Because not only was it Uh, It was a really interesting part of my life because I was going through a divorce at the same time I was cultivating a friendship, which would have turned into my next relationship. So it was this really interesting juxtaposition of ending something and starting something. So it was a really fluid transition, which Mm -hmm. was weird. And it doesn't happen that way that often. And to see, oh my God, like I just went through this, but here's this man giving me flowers and he didn't even know it was my birthday. Like all of a sudden someone was starting to value me, you know, when Mm -hmm. you felt devalued for so long. So it was an interesting journey that it had both elements of leaving something old and starting something new. Yeah. You know, so I think in that way, it gave people a little hope, you know, obviously that second relationship didn't last. And, um, but it had its purpose, you know, you have your growing lessons and all of that other stuff. Got to have your rebound yep. in there, right? Your, <laughs> I know, right? Have you thought about writing more books or? I have, you know, I mean, I have thought about writing other books. I don't know if I'm going to include people that I know. I found that when you're in it and you're just writing and keeping a journal and this was just your purging, that it wasn't as I would say I wasn't as mindful, like, cause I was just recording, but now it's like, wow, 
I don't know if I could Do write it. about people like right. in my experience because it affects so many people in different. And it's hard when you're sharing your story, you are like incidentally sharing the story of others through your eyes right and it does affect them but it's also it's fr- it's a frustrating thing to know it how is. to do it because it's like but it's my story yeah you know yeah so you know i think that what i'm thinking of starting is writing about like going and dating because that was a whole other freaking thing this nightmare past. <laughs> you know it was interesting you know i i took i took about a year and a half between when my my ex-boyfriend and i separated to when I first started stepping in this past spring. And I'm like, all right, I'm tired of watching Netflix on my own and I'm going to do this. But one of the things I decided I was going to do is I was going to treat it like a business. So I literally sat down and said, all right, my daughter is going to be with her dad for four weeks in the summer. My goal is to start a couple of months out to kind of figure out how to date because I hadn't gone on an actual date since the last millennium. I mean, seriously, because, you know, the whole transition to the new relationship was just kind of this fluid thing because our daughters went to preschool. So I had never gone on a date, a blind date. Like, how the fuck does anybody do this? So I created a system where I'm like, all right, this is how I'm going to do this. And the goal end goal is to see if I can find someone to spend time with while Mina was with her dad over the summer so that when she came back, be like, all right, I've, I've met someone and this is how we're going to introduce him. Mm -hmm. But I literally was very systematic about how I went. I I called it intentional dating because my intention was to kind of, how can I do this? How can I create a plan? And how can I look at these different websites and these things and invest because you have to invest if you're going to, actually succeed in dating, you have to put in a monetary investment. Oh yeah. You know, did you do like a dating app and all that. I think I did three or four of them and I did them so that you could compare because even though they might be on the same profile, you know, like the same same person on different. Yeah. Because you can get different information from different platforms. So you can get the different information. So one will give you all of these questions on where you agree (laughs) and where you disagree. And then this one is just basic. Oh, I words. I was on all of them. (laughs) I was on. Yeah. Were you, did you? I was only on so Tinder. Tinder pushed Chrissy and myself to get, even though we knew of each other through different outlets. Tinder is what. Well, pushed Tinder us. was how I found my yeah. guy. Yeah, it's not intimidating. It's not like it's not like Match. dot com where you feel like if you've matched with a person, you I, you better connect with them. You know, I know. Like, I never yeah. did Match. That just seemed too overwhelming. I did Tinder. I did OK Cupid, and I did a new one called Zeusk. Uh, Zeus goes oh, I've in. heard of that. See, I did okay. I didn't do any I had to pay for. I just, I was like, oh, no, I paid. Silly. I paid because I wanted to see all of the information. And that was where the monetary investment came into and the time and the swiping and all of this stuff. I'm like, this is my goal. Yeah. yeah. You know, I said, if I don't meet anyone by the end of the summer, then it's done because my baklava season starts in October. <laughs> so, you know. I love it. I, I'm on a time frame here. I am. Look, Let- you got to prioritize. <laughs> it's important. Let's uh, let's switch gears. I got a couple Salt Lake City related questions sure. that we we ask on the podcast here. We all have family and friends that visit. You know, you have family in Rhode Island. They come to Utah. They come to Salt Lake. What's the what? What's your tour? What do you have? Like a one or two things you like to take people and show them? Or well, or? I mean, we always go to Sugar House, and 
then, you know, I live right up by 15th and 15th. So we usually do an afternoon or a morning or whatever, just walking. I'm just two blocks from there. So we'll either do breakfast down at Caputo's or we'll do a Friday night concert down at Caputo's because they have every Friday, yeah. they have the the jazz on the patio or we'll do some of the restaurants or the, the King's English there. We go to Sugar House Coffee because- They got good coffee. They've got good coffee and I just- it's like home. Yeah. Um, obviously, we go to Lizzie's Kitchen a lot because that's another home. It's delicious. Because it's just home. Yeah. And um, what else? We kind of get out of the city a little bit. We'll do some simple hikes that they can do, like Donut Falls, because that's flat. And they can see a waterfall and they can have a picnic. And it's not a very stressful thing for people to go, I can't do this because it's, I'm not a hiker. <laughs> I'm not a hiker. I can't do altitude. We'll do the tram ride up at Snowbird, you know, where they can go up to the top. If it's in the summer, we'll take the tram. And then when my family came last October, we did the Mount Nebo Loop. And the Mount Nebo Loop is about an hour south. And the thing is, if you go to the south part of the Mount Nebo Loop and you go all the way up in from the south part and you get to the top and you look over, you see Devil's Kitchen, which is like a mini Bryce Canyon. So if nobody has time to go all the way down to Bryce, you can just take an hour and just go down to Mount Nebo and go in from the south and up. And then you can see, okay, well, this is what Bryce looks like. And then you can go home. <laughs> That's a great recommendation. That is. Yeah. Would you change anything about Salt Lake City if you could? I would like things to stay open a little bit later. I would like more things to be open on Sunday. Yeah. Amen. I really would like things open on Sunday because it's so frustrating. You want to go do something and it closes like at two. I kind of yeah. go out of my way and support businesses that are open on Sunday. Just because I especially shop more on Sunday. I know that sounds crazy to some people. I'll probably get hate mail for it. But (laughs) like, because I posted this on Facebook a few times and people are like, oh, I need a day off with my family and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, sorry. Like, I like to shop on Sunday. Well, everybody's, I mean, a lot of businesses take Monday off. Yeah. 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 And, you know, but then everything's closed on Monday. Such a nice day for those of us who have to work. Monday through Friday, it's like right. You want to be able to to do something, yeah. yeah. You know, and that's the frustrating. Things don't open until noon, or Mm -hmm. they close at three. And I'm going, oh my god, what the hell can we do today? Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's. I mean, it's getting better. It's getting better. It is honestly. If you had told me 20 years ago there'd be a pub crawl in Sugar House, like in all the distilleries and stuff coming up within walking distance, I would have been like, yeah, you're freaking crazy. You know, that is so not happening in Sugar House. Well, there's a a lot of change here in Utah. Just in general, phenomenal. Wow, this is Utah. This is Salt Lake City. I mean, all the foodie things. I mean, there's that that new kitchen alley that's going to happen on like 800 oh, south yeah. or something is that the one with the the box cars they're going to build like so. a like a restaurant think, alley yeah, with, something like that yeah yeah, yeah that's going to be cool so i'm just excited for all the new foodie things oh yeah do you have Me one too. i mean you mentioned lazis do you have another favorite local eating spot i always ask people you know one or two favorites if you mentioned lazis um i kind of just go there yeah no that's to be fair honest. that's fair like I go there, I really love their breakfast and their lunches. I don't get there for dinner much, but I just, I meet people there, go out there. and do that. I like Meditrina too. Oh, that's good. Meditrina yeah. is really nice. You can do a lot of the small plates and the share things. I like things where you can share. Okay. You know, family because style. it's a family style. Yeah. Buco de Beppo, right? Then they, <laughs> they do. Buco de Beppo. <laughs> I used to live right by there on downtown on, the, on by there. But uh, now before we wrap this up, I mean, is there anything that you were hoping we would talk about? I mean, we talked about your baklava, the Turkish coffee, the Divorcee Cafe, your, your book. book. 
I mean, is it what? I mean, is there something that maybe people don't know about you, or or, no, or they wouldn't I'm expect much an, an open, open book. book? I'm pretty much an open book. Yeah. What's you your know? websites? Divorce Cafe. So it's divorceacafe.org and bohemianbaklava.com. Okay, cool. And I'll put those two links at IamSaltLake.com with this episode if for some reason you're driving, you can't write those down. I guess the only thing that I would add is Baklava makes great client gifts yeah. and gifts. And, you know, great I have- Christmas presents, right? It's great Holidays, Christmas presents. Yeah. And um, every year I do the same promotion because did you know that November 17th is National Baklava Day? I did not know that. Did you I know? didn't know that either. But so, uh, Chris, I expect some baklava on November 17th. So wear your favorite baklava outfit, right? Or, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Dress like your favorite baklava. I'll dress like baklava. So <laughs> the promotion that I put out is if you call me and we kind of create your own like gift giving order, whether or not it's like holiday dinners for Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's or client gifts or whatever things you're going to do. If we create a timeline and your order and you get it all set and taken care of, if you order it and pay before November 17th, you get 17% off of your total order. And literally it's like set it and forget it because we've created your order and then we have all of the dates that the baklava is going to roll out on and then I just go and deliver it. So then you don't have to worry about it. I love it. So, and they would just do that through the website. They would just or? call me. My 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 number is on there because oh, I would rather just sit and meet and figure out what or how many or what flavor kind of thing because it's better face to face. It gets overwhelming okay. on the on the website to be able to go which flavors and how much and you know what pieces and you know sure. I have a better idea. Very cool. Let's yeah. do some baklava this holiday. Oh, I'm so down. Yeah. You don't no, even I mean, know. that's a unique gift. I mean, you're looking for something different that mm-hmm. not everybody's going to get. Boom, baklava. Yeah. Yep. Way better than fruitcake. <laughs> I promise. I have done a fruitcake baklava, though. Or the neighbors, I've right? I've been challenged to a fruitcake baklava. Was it good? It was freaky. I didn't try it. Everybody <laughs> said it was good. Everybody said they wouldn't eat fruitcake, but they love my fruitcake baklava. But man, it was scary with that fluorescent like fruit in there. Oh, yeah. And you can make gluten-free. Baklava too. So what I do for the gluten free is I do rice noodles. So like you know those Chinese little like like vermicelli rice rice noodles. Well, not but like the little shredded ones. They look like the I'm trying to think like you would have in um like the nim chow, but the really fine rice noodles. Like they look like little threads. Okay, okay. So I cook those up. And then I kind of twirl around my finger and I stick them in like a little mini muffin pan and then I add butter to them and then I re-cook them and then I put nuts in them and then put syrup on them. Sounds delicious. A lot more intensive It is regular. a little bit more intensive and they don't last as long because they'll get mm. hard if you don't eat them right away. But for yeah. people, the other thing that I do is I do a gluten-free like sugar cookie that's soaked in syrup. Okay. So you can get the same flavor. Of the baklava, like with the syrup and, you know, there's a cookie and there's a nice nut on the top. So you get that same essence of that syrupy soaked thing. And I do that with a gluten-free flour. Very cool. Mm-hmm. To try some of that. Oh, yeah. Chrissy has a final question. I'm going to let her throw that out at you. It's been awesome sitting down with you today. Thank so you glad so much. to finally get you on episode 400. I the, know. It's the, so the, freaking the, cool. The magical Great. episode 400. So my my big question for you is if you could leave our listeners with a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by, what would it be? So I was given advice in 2004 when I was starting out. I was looking for a kitchen and I remember going into Coco Cafe when it was on 900 South and 400 East. I remember wanting to use their kitchen and from the shadows, 
I heard this voice on their coffee bar, from around their coffee bar, cocoa bar. It's like, hey, kid, come here. I got some advice for you. And I'm like, okay, dark voice from the shadows. And it was Steve, the owner of Liberty Heights Fresh. And he's like, kid, I admire your chutzpah, but let me tell you why no one's going to rent you your kitchen. And let me give you some advice about having a baking service in Salt Lake City. And honestly, to this day, I use this all the time. He's like, you mind your reputation because you don't know who knows someone else. Salt Lake City is a very small town. As much as we're big and we can mm-hmm. take all of Rhode Island and put it in Salt Lake City, the people who are non-natives all know each other. Yeah. The people who are foodies all know each other or know of that person. You mind your reputation because you never know who knows someone else. And yeah. honestly, like that has come home so many times because I've had people unsolicited tell me things about other baklava bakers. And I'm like, Oh, how do you know that person? Like, uh-huh. how would your past have ever crossed? Oh, yeah. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, because you don't know. That's like, and I told Steve at the farmer's market this summer, I go, you told me this years ago. And I still, like, anybody who comes, I'm like, you mind your reputation. Like, because your reputation is golden in this city. Because if anything tarnishes it, like, it will be like wildfire. Gosh, where were you five years ago? No, just kidding. <laughs> no it is true. Small Lake City. You got to love it. I mean, well, you, it's even worse than the dating scene, though. Everybody knows everybody. Oh, and everybody's know. dated scenes. everybody. I am so sorry, but it's a nightmare. It is a nightmare I'm because so some of the people there. that you match with on Tinder are now showing up on Facebook as friend suggestion. I'm like, yeah. how? Yeah. How? Uh-huh. I didn't even know your last name. How are you not? How <laughs> are you now? you date somebody and you find out somebody you know dated that person too. Oh, that like, happened. Oh, that happened awkward. to me. I dated one guy and I was talking to a friend of mine and they're like, did he have like gray hair and this and that? I'm going, yeah. And I showed a picture and she's like, yep, I dated him. I'm like, seriously? And then you're like, oh, wow. Then it just gets weird. (laughs) It just gets so odd. (laughs) (laughs) But that's Salt Lake City. It is. It's so random. All right. Many thanks again to Aleph Aiken for joining us on this episode of the podcast. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode's show notes right on our website, which can be found at IamSaltLake.com slash 400. Yes, episode 400. Support for I Am Salt Lake comes from KRCL 90.9, amplifying community voices since 1979. This listener-supported music discovery station covers everything from reggae and punk rock to local grassroots activism. Listen today at 90.9 FM or online at krcl.org. And it is weekly recommendation time where Chrissy and myself, we're going to give you guys a recommendation, something that we're just like, hey guys, check this out. This is something we dig or something we believe in. I'm going to go first because I already know what you always let me go first. So that's okay. And I already know what your weekly recommendation is. So I think it'll be a great follow up. For my weekly recommendation, because my weekly recommendation is the Gateway Shopping Plaza, which I know is ridiculous that I'm mentioning this because I know a lot of people here in Salt Lake have a lot of, uh, I don't dislike for that mall. It it used to be kind of a sketchy mall. I mean, it was just crowded with homeless people. I used to work down there. So I know I used to work at that Brookstone like 
15 years ago, 20 years ago. It was, it was a while back. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the Gateway Mall, I mean, this, is, this mall has made a complete turnaround. There is so much art down there to check out. They're doing so many cool things down there. It's, it's basically going to turn into like an entertainment hub. I guess they just opened up a new punch bowl social thing down there. Oh, yeah. New place, which I want to go check out. Yes. Uh, but they have wise guys down there, which I know this this is going to lead us into your recommendation. Chrissy, if you want to share uh, the listeners what your weekly recommendation is. Absolutely. So we got a chance to go to wise guys this past week and watch a live podcast called And That's Why We Drink. It is one of the best podcasts, in my opinion, besides ours. I love it. I love I listen to it every week and we got to go to a live show at Wise Guys at the Gateway and it was just so much fun and I drank like a teenager and I felt it the next day but it was worth it. She drank AMF, she guys. Make fun of her for that. <laughs> like four AMFs. <laughs> no, seriously. Those are gross. You you felt like you were dragging me along. Mm-hmm. You felt like, "Oh, this Chris isn't going to enjoy it." I, that's a good podcast. It's a, it's very entertaining. I love live podcasts. I yeah. love supporting live podcasts. So, if any of you guys like Chrissy said, check this podcast out. Go check out live podcasts. But yeah, I don't know. Sorry to jump nope, in on that. No, that's great. I just think there. if you guys listen to a podcast, go see one of their live ones. You're going to have a great time. And that's going to do it for this episode. And remember, you can always support this show by supporting our sponsors, KRCL, Kennedy Botanicals, and Libsyn. We'll have links for all of them at our website under the notes for this episode, which you can find at IamSaltLake.com. Also, you can always support us non-monetarily by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts or directly on our Facebook page. You can also share your favorite episodes on Facebook or Twitter, or you can just tell your coworkers at work tomorrow about your favorite podcast, I Am Salt Lake. Hey, you have a great week. Make sure to get out and enjoy the city, support local whenever possible, and we're going to see you on the next episode. And good night, Grammy. Grammy.